Hey, if you love to eat as much as we do here on the Kevin and Taylor Show, you're going to love hearing the latest in the world, world of, of food. food. First, if you're looking for a sweet treat to make mom feel special, Krispy Kreme Donuts just introduced Minis for Mom Donuts collection with an iced rose, an iced heart, and cookies and cream donuts. Second, this is pretty wild. Artificial intelligence is seeping into every area of your life, including... Hardee's and Carl's Jr. just introduced AI ordering. They say it boosts accuracy, speed, and revenue because get this, the computer is way better than humans in upselling your order. Mm. I guess we're not as embarrassed to tell the computer, yeah, you know what? Throw in a couple of milkshakes. That sounds good. Mm. <laughs> and finally, in the world of food, this type of restaurant is super popular for the first time since the pandemic. Do you want to guess what it is, Kev? It's got to be some type of buffet. All you can eat buffets. Yeah, people were freaked out by those during COVID, but but the lure of all you can eat for eight ninety nine is too great to yeah, avoid. Yeah, sadly, a lot of them uh, had to uh, declare bankruptcy. Like, I, I don't think Sweet Tomatoes survived. Yeah, but. Visits to three leading buffets, uh, Golden Corral, CeCe's, and Pizza Ranch, hmm. were up 125%. Hmm. Man, when our kids were little, we lived at CeCe's. <laughs> we loved going there. We couldn't afford anything else, right? Yeah. We'd go out, go out to CeCe's. It was great. Loved it. You've ha- probably heard by now that friendship bracelets are back in style. Well, coming up, check out the level of friendship at this school. Hey, this is your guaranteed to put you in a good mood story of the day. Good news! You've probably heard by now that friendship bracelets are totally back in style. Uh, My niece made a bunch of friendship bracelets for her older sister to trade at the Taylor Swift concert. Well, check out the level of friendship at this school. Students at Valley Creek Elementary School in McKinney, Texas, took friendship bracelets to a new length by breaking a Guinness World Record. They assembled a ginormous friendship bracelet on the football field and then had a surveyor come out. It measured 2,796 feet long. That's a lot of friendship. I wonder after they got in the Guinness Book if they cut it up and made it into smaller ones that you could wear. What became of the world's largest yeah. friendship race? Maybe, maybe they put it on display as a tourist attraction. There you go. In the, in the town they live in, In right? McKinney, Texas. Not yeah. a bad idea, actually. So you remember we were talking a minute ago about the friendship bracelet in McKinney, Texas, and they should make it a tourist traction, yeah. attraction? I know about a, a tourist attraction that literally saved a town. A town would have been off the map if mm. it weren't for this. I'll okay. tell you about it next. We're talking about weird touristy attractions. There's some bizarre stuff. I mean, isn't there somewhere in Texas where Cadillacs are stuck halfway into the soil? Cadillac Ranch. Yeah, it's world famous. There's like the world's largest ball of twine. There's all this stuff. World's largest nonstick frying pan. Yes. Learned about that in the movie Michael. My husband and I stumbled upon a tourist trap. We were actually in quest of seeing giant redwood trees and rainforests. That's all we wanted to see. But we got to this little town and we were looking for a place, you know, trying to get some lunch. And we go into the local grocery store and we find out that we are in Forks, Washington, which is the setting for the Twilight series, books and movies. (laughs) And this woman at the deli in this grocery store proceeds to make us like, do you want a Team Jacob or a Team Edward sandwich? And she starts telling us about how they're town was on the verge of collapse economic ruin Mm -hmm. 
until the, the novels were written, set in Forks, Washington, and it completely brought the town back to life. So we, we had a blast talking to her. We were checking mm. out. There's all these like twilight tchotchkes you can buy of course. right by the checkout. <laughs> and then we go down the street. We got our sandwiches in tow. And like you can, there's Bella's truck, this red old timey truck mm-hmm. a character from the show. Mm-hmm. You can go on tours. And it was all because of that. And what's crazy, they never filmed there. They filmed in Veronia and Portland, but they never filmed in Forks. But it saved the town. That's just where it was town. supposed to be set. Yeah, isn't that so fascinating? <laughs> that is. Have you heard about this little town in Wales that has had this big injection of life thanks no. to thanks to Hollywood coming to town? Oh, I can't really, wait to hear yeah, about oh, it. yeah, yeah. It's a really fascinating story. We'll talk about it next. We're talking about. Uh, initially, we started talking about like weird tourist attractions in in obscure towns, and there's kind of an obscure town in Wales, uh, which is part of the UK. It's just south of of England. Um, I think it's south west of England. Anywho, uh, there's a, a town there called Wrexham, and it's one of those towns there. I think they were a steel town, fell on hard times, like it was economically depressed, or things were not happening for this town. And meanwhile, they're football club their soccer team which is the third oldest in the world wow had fallen from in in the british soccer system you have the major leagues like we do with baseball you have the major leagues and then you have the minor leagues for comparison's sake they had fallen all the way down to the very bottom rung of the minor leagues Ooh, this could happen to any team if you you, yeah. you finish at the bottom you get what they call regulated and you get bumped down well through the years they have been bumped down bumped down bumped down they were barely hanging on to professional status mm. and for some reason the actor Ryan Reynolds and the other actor Rob McLaney uh they bought the team oh really yeah <laughs> I don't know why they picked Wrexham of all the teams in the world. Like, this is the team we're going to buy, but they did. So the town got super excited, you know, everybody. But it was a mix of excitement and a nervous eye. Like, are they really committed to this? Yeah. And their commitment was they wanted to get the team back to their former glory. So they came close in the first season. There's a Mm. uh, Netflix, I think that. Is it Netflix or it's FX? Something like that. It's streaming. Oh, okay. A series. And everyone I know that's watched is like, oh my gosh, it is the best series you've got to watch. Ooh, and it really is. It's out. really good. W-R-E-X-H-A-M. Yeah. Rexham. And it tells okay. the story. Of, soccer is the backdrop to tell the bigger story of what sports mean to families and what the tradition of following a team means for years and also just the ups and downs of the supporters of the team and their lives and what mm. the, what this team has meant to them through the years. It's really Sounds compelling. Sounds really good. Um, Very emotional. No spoiler here because it's been in, they've become one of the most popular teams in the world now. Wow. On the, on the back, <laughs> it would be like, I don't know, the Toledo Mudhens all of a sudden becoming the most popular baseball team in the world <laughs> on the backs of this series. And through it all, they've become like this, like I said, internationally uh, I'm not spoiler alert. Not really. Cause it's been all over the news. They won their league championship and they're moving up. Wow. They're moving up to the next so cool. league next year. So to a great story. Surprise. My wife, I ordered her one of their t-shirts. Oh, um, cool. It's, it says you know, like, like league champions, but it says it in Welsh. Oh, very <laughs> special. yeah, that's classy. What's something that would make you feel old, gray hair, wrinkles, the Google dolls being called classic rock. Well, a millennial yelling at kids to get off their lawn. A recent worldwide study looked at how people feel about their age. And they found that in the United States, the average age when people stop feeling young is 
Hmm. Right now, there's people who are born between 1979 or 1980. The good news is that there's a little bit of a buffer zone. Americans don't start feeling old until they're 52. So this is the last year before millennials stop feeling young. Of all countries, Italians are apparently the youngest at heart. They don't stop feeling young until they're 60, and they don't start feeling old until they hit 70 years old. I so go feeling, Italians. I stopped feeling young the day that I got my first bill with my name <laughs> on it. And I was like, what? <laughs> Ouch. I, get the, I have to pay this, I guess, huh? <laughs> So I saw a meme, Taylor. A lady said that she spent like 20 minutes using the flashlight on her phone, looking under her car seats and all over her car for her phone. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I pulled something similar recently. (laughs) Tell you about it next. Okay, so I was talking about that meme where a lady used the flashlight on her phone to hunt for her phone. That's hilarious. That's a new one. (laughs) I would totally do that. And and there's the evidence of it. The other night we went to a game with some friends of ours and Mm -hmm. game was over. We're leaving. I'm like, guys, we can't leave yet. I cannot find my glasses. Everybody look under your seat. Look all around. I I, I just cannot find them. We're all looking under our seats. We're looking everywhere, like in the cup holders. I, I even I had my hat underneath my chair and I had like put some stuff in it. I'm going through that. Like maybe they're in here. And I looked up at my, at our friend Marsha and I was like, I don't know where they are. And she goes, are you talking about the glasses on top of your head or no, <laughs> no. Are you talking about the glasses on your face? That were oh, on top they of my were head. on your they're, eyes. I was wearing them. Yeah. They're <laughs> on my face. And I went, Yep, I sure am. I'm glad you found them. Let's go. <laughs> How embarrassing. Well, here's it was we were at a baseball game and and some if I leave my glasses on for a long time, I wind up getting a headache. So I kept taking them on and off, on and oh. off. Like between innings and stuff, I would take them off. And when it started back up, I'd put them back on. So I, I had been doing that through the whole game. So when it came time to leave, I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> Where are they? That's the that's funny thing bad. is the funny thing is they all looked at me and they started looking too. And only after I went, oh, well, did anybody, any luck? And she went, oh, are you talking about those glasses? <laughs> well, yes, I am. <laughs> I don't think uh, anyone, if, if you ask someone to share a story uh, that I'm about to ask you to share with us, everyone has one. Awkward moments with the boss. Do you have a good awkward oh, moment with the boss story? We're going to share <laughs> some next. We're talking about awkward encounters with the boss. I had one last night, Taylor, with you our did? boss. Let me start by saying I love our boss. He's a fantastic guy, but he still is the boss. So when I see I have a missed call from him at nine o'clock at night, <gasps> I'm like, uh oh, uh oh, something's up. So, uh, but there's more to this story. So yesterday I had a missed call from him at about I don't know, like five o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. So I call him back, and it goes to his voicemail. He's out of town, by the way. He's visiting his mom. Uh, goes to his voicemail. I'm like, hey, Mike, Kev, don't know what you need, but uh, you can call me back. Uh, you know, uh, Whatever it is, we can chat. If not, I'll talk to you tomorrow. That's where I thought it ended. Well, then last night I'm crawling in bed, and I have another missed call from him and a text. Hey, Kev, uh, I can talk right now. If you if you can't, we'll talk tomorrow. So I'm like, At 9 oh, o'clock is, at night? This is pretty important. What's going on? Oh, my goodness. So I call him back. And he picks up, and I said, hey, Mike, it's Kev. He goes, hey, Kev. And I said, what's going on? He goes, not much, just at my mom's hanging out. What's going on with you? You can tell this is like a casual conversation. There's no business. (laughs) And I said, I'm calling you back. And he goes, oh, didn't you get my original text that said the first call to you was a butt dial? (laughs) I didn't mean to call you. I said, no. So I said, so we've been playing phone tag for nothing 
like all night, including now when I'm crawling and in bed. And you had four hours to wonder what your boss was. What I did wrong. If you were getting fired. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't remember, like, did <laughs> we say anything that could have been a complaint from a listener yesterday? Ooh. Did anything happen? Yeah. Oh, did, what, what, what could I possibly have done this time, boss? And it was nothing. That's it all the started last with a person butt dial. on earth you want to get a butt dial from. I mean, my mother in law, Dorothy. She butt dials me at least twice a day. Mm-hmm. But if my boss started butt dialing me, I'd be, it just wouldn't be good for my psyche in right? any way. Because it puts you on edge, no matter how much, like I said, I love Mike. Mike's a great guy. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he's still my boss. And right. he's not calling me at nine o'clock no. at night unless something is wrong. Hey, man. Something is horrifically I'm wrong. I was hanging out with my mom. Right. She made me chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> right, exactly. So when we hung up, I said, well, say hi to mom and them. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> It was so oh, weird. Do you have, you have a so good funny. awkward boss story you can share, Taylor? Oh, yeah, a really good one. All right, we'll get so Taylor's, awkward. Taylor's awkward awkwardness with the boss coming up next. So we're having some fun swapping stories about uh, awkward moments mm-hmm. with the boss. Yeah. And you, you have a good one, Taylor? I do. I do. Keep in mind, if you have a dream of like, oh, I'd like to do Kevin and Taylor's job. I want to be in radio when you're in radio, you have like 10 bosses. And so we were going to pick up a corporate version of our boss who yes. only comes to town once in a while. Right. We're headed to a meeting. We had to pick him up at the hotel he was staying in. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, no, you go. No, you go. And <laughs> Kevin voted that I had to go greet him. I was driving. And he's like, be ready for that big old hug. And I was like, ah. It's just awkward to ha- hug someone who's going to like basically give you constructive criticism. It's just a little awkward. Well, and to be honest, and this guy no longer works at our company. It's going to say this. This person did not have your best interest in mind right. when he was critiquing you. Yeah. But he borderline cruel it was in like his assessment the so. judas kiss <laughs> so <laughs> very yeah which, very similar speaking of i was all prepared i'm like i'm ready for this one i am doing a barely little tiny side hug that's mm-hmm. that'll do i won't look belligerent i won't look you know like i'm not a happy employee i'm just look mm-hmm. quick look, good to see you mm-hmm. hope your travel went well and I go in for the quick little tiny side hug. Mm-hmm. He goes the other direction, like way around the other side of me. And we're, we, I basically almost kissed his cheek. <laughs> it's like somehow my face touched his cheek. And I was like, no, help me. What just happened? It could not have been more awkward. It couldn't it have been horrible. better for me because I didn't have to hug. And I just sat there playing with the radio, <laughs> waiting for them to come so, out. I was so annoyed with you later. I'm like, next time you got to go in. (laughs) You got to get the hug. (laughs) So I don't know about you, but sometimes I have the weirdest dreams. No, for me, it's the problem is sometimes I have the weirdest life ever. (laughs) (laughs) Not dreams. So the other night I I had these dreams because um, we were all kind of on edge because my niece, Laura, had gone to the Taylor Swift concert. And we were all kind of on pins and needles because they were in this horrible rain delay and they were smashed in like sardines. Mm -hmm. And sadly, that was how I left it when I went to bed. My sister left my house and we were just waiting for news. Like, how late will she start the concert? Mm. Like, will there ever be a concert? Is it going to happen? So I go to bed. What do I do? I dream all night that me, my sister, and my niece are hanging out with Taylor Swift. (laughs) 
it's so weird. And I woke up and I was almost kind of embarrassed because I'm not like a Swifty or anything. I mean, I have high respect for her career and her, her, you know, what she's done with her career, but I don't listen to a lot of Taylor Swift songs. So I was like, that is just the weirdest dream ever. Coming up, how to raise highly resilient kids. Would you like to know how to raise highly resilient kids? This is from someone who spent 20 years studying the neuroscience of resilience. Mm, The number one tool is to teach your kids how to worry well. Give your kids the tools they need to manage anxiety and fear. So here are a couple of steps. Number one, set aside some time to worry and then release it. Number two, create a worry box or jar and the child can put their worries in there and then forget about it. Uh, This is something I remember you taught me this, Kev, years ago. I think you were reading like a men's magazine. Have them imagine the best and the worst case scenarios. And the last point, uh, point out and reinforce when there is a positive outcome to something that they had been worrying about. Mm -hmm. And then it might help them realize, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So that's, uh, but they say the number one tool, like I said, is to teach your kids to worry well. Isn't that one of the, things in life like all the stuff that we tend to worry about a lot of it never happens mm-hmm. right? oh yeah we, we stress and stress and stress over it and then and then it never happens but there's a book i'm reading it's funny you brought this up right now it's called trusting god in the present mm. and it, and it gives that a lot of it, it's based in scripture and then it, it also does a lot of practical practical advice but one of the things that was interesting was instead of asking god why is this happening ask what Am I supposed to be, mm. how am I supposed to be growing in my relationship with you yeah. through this? And then I thought this was, you know what? I'm going to save it for a minute. I'm going to give you the most pro, one of the most profound pieces of advice I think I've heard in a very long time oh, cool. about yeah, how to it. how to handle stress and how to move forward with that. It, it builds on asking, instead of asking, oh, why cool. is this happening? But but how am I supposed to grow? It's the key to making that work. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Sometimes you come across something you cannot wait to share it with other people because it's like a light bulb goes off. So I hope I can share this little bit of advice that I picked up just the other day. It was a game changer for me. I'll share it with you next. We were talking about, oddly enough, we were talking about making, helping make your kids resilient and giving them the skills to deal with the, you know, the stuff that life's going to throw at them. You can try to protect them, helicopter them, lawnmower, you know, how you clear the path in front of them or helicopter over them, try to watch out. You can do all of that. Um, they're not, and, and they're still going to have life's bumps and bruises are going to come your way. So oh, you, yeah. you got to equip them for it. But this is what I read the other day. And it was, it was part of a, a bigger book, uh, a, a bigger, um, a bigger thought mm-hmm. that set that, uh, that was talking about how to handle the things that life throws at you. And one of the things to do was to ask, uh, instead of why God is this happening, but how are you asking me to grow through this, Lord? What what am I supposed to learn about you and grow in relationship with you and, and help to love people better through through this trial and turmoil? And one of the big pieces of advice was, the book is called Trusting God in the Present, was do not get ahead of the Holy Spirit. And that to me was light bulb going off. Whoa, hang on, wait a minute. Because so many times, I don't know about you, but we know what the right path forward is. We know, oh, here's how this problem is going to be solved. So I'm just going to let the Lord handle that and it's going to work out, you know, this way. And that may not be how it's going to work out at all. And and it was so reassuring to me because my, I'll just be honest with you, my family, we have been going through hell 
And it's like, oh my gosh, this has got to be, this is, here's the resolution. This is how it's got to be fixed. It's got to happen. And that may not be what happens. That may, what I think needs to be done to fix it might never mm-hmm. come to pass. God might have something completely different right. in mind. And if you read history, if you read your Bible, you know, God is a God of like, wait a minute, why are you doing that? <laughs> right? <laughs> where he does things where we're just like not sure of why these things are happening. And we have great examples of that in scripture. But I really try, I'm trying to take that to heart because I think it's a season for my wife and I, my whole family, where we're just being tried and that uh, patience is something that we're all supposed to be a virtue that we're all supposed to be cultivating. And if there's one thing I hate to work on, it's patience. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. So, but don't get ahead of the Holy Spirit was really just light bulb going off for me. I hope that encourages you today. Maybe you're going through something too, where you're just like, come on, God, hurry it up. <laughs> Don't get ahead of the Holy Spirit. So interesting that you brought up trials and tribulations and how, you know, we don't know what the Lord is trying to teach us through it. We need to ask him, what should I learn from this? Because my husband was just pointing out yesterday of all, you know, just recently is yesterday that our oldest niece, my oldest sister's oldest daughter is exactly the same age as when we lost his sister. When she passed away, she fell down the stairs in the shopping mall And I remember we were young newlyweds and that was like our very first like shocking like, whoa, life doesn't always turn out how you expect it. Like Mm -hmm. we just expected Mm -hmm. Dana to live a long life. She had just created her own law firm where she was helping the least of these needy people get their social security and disability. And uh, we just expected that. And then things like uh, Glenn and I just expected that God would bless us with biological children. We just thought that was... Of course, that's going to be part of his plan. And that prayer did not get answered as we hoped. And so we've been kind of on a long journey together as a couple of, of God, what can we learn from this? What are you trying to teach us through these trials and tribulations and things that we didn't envision? This is how life would turn out. So I love that you shared that like that. Mm. Don't get ahead of the Holy Spirit, because a lot of things we won't know till we get to heaven. If even then, I don't know if we'll get those kinds of questions answered or not. Or probably won't matter. By I was going to say, hopefully there will be all of this. will just be like, wow, yeah. wow, that was a blink of an eye. And now mm-hmm. we're here we are. Yay. Yeah, now we're with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Sometimes you feel like the lesson that you're supposed to be learning is, geez, would, would you come back like now? <laughs> it's been long enough. So, man, kids grow up way too fast. It feels like just yesterday that our friend Laura Story, who writes awesome songs and plays great music, was here at the radio station mm-hmm. with one of her little twins, yeah. Griffin. And um, so she found an old video on her phone and texted it to me the other day. Mm-hmm. And she, he's, he's like, she's like, where are we, Griffin? And he's like, we're at the Kevin and Taylor show. <laughs> well, that was like a couple days ago that she texted me that. I'm like, yeah. oh, so cute. And he's got chocolate all over his face because we gave him a chocolate granola bar. <laughs> Well, fast forward, she posts a picture today of one of her kids. I'm like, who is that? Who is that young man? It's the same kid. (laughs) He looks like he's like 15. I think he's only like 10 versus Uh six compared to when we saw him. Uh But I remember that visit, by the way, is the coolest thing. You guys, it shows how much Kevin is a a kid person and a dad. He got right on the floor and started coloring with Griffin. Remember you did that? That Never miss an opportunity to color. Yeah. (laughs) Especially as you get older, the chances are fewer and far between. Wait till you hear the name of the latest cookbook that I got for my wife. 
Tracy, you're going to be like, why would you get her that cookbook? I'll tell you what it is next and the awesome dish that she made from it. It's coming up next. Okay, so my wife, I got her a cookbook, Taylor. It's called Cooking for My Boyfriend. Oh, yeah. You told us how April's super jealous. She's like, I'm the one that has a boyfriend. Right. Well, she's also jealous because it's by uh, Tanika Younger, who was, she was recently on Next Level Chef, mm-hmm. the Gordon Ramsay show. And that's where my wife and I found her. Of course, my daughter April found her on TikTok. Yeah. And she posts all these TikTok videos of her making these awesome dishes for her boyfriend. So I got Tracy the cookbook and she made honey garlic pork chops the other night. Oh my gosh, they were so good. But there was a little bit of a of a problem with it uh, when my daughter and her boyfriend and when my son and his girlfriend found out this recipe Tracy was making, they were all like, well, we're coming to dinner. So all of a sudden she had to multiply the recipe like oh. way bigger. Did she have to cook- run back to the store for more pork chops? Yeah, 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 yeah. She did because everybody Aww. decided they're coming over to eat and they were so good. What a sweet mom. That is awesome. In your efforts to love and serve the people around you, as Jesus told us to, are you sometimes like, okay, what can I do to lighten the load? What can I I do to help? I have a suggestion for you. We're going to talk about it in just a minute. That's high-minded. I I like to quote the other quote from Jesus. How much longer must I tolerate you people? (laughs) (laughs) That can go right along with this, actually. (laughs) Okay. So I know you, you Kevin and Taylor listeners, you pray often every morning, Lord, use me today for your glory. Let let your love shine through me. And I have an idea for you and one way you can do that. And that is to reach out and love and support the parents in your life. Uh, I was telling Kev earlier today that I know so many parents that are hurting right now, whether it's children that are suffering from um, just life challenging health issues where it could, you know, just it's affecting their quality of life and we don't know the future. The future is unsure or it's parents whose children who have made poor life or faith decisions, um, health issues, it's mental health issues. I mean, there's so many parents in my life right now. I just feel this weight on my shoulders for them. And so I thought what we could do is just make a more concerted effort to um, to try to figure out how we can lighten the load for parents. Like mm. uh, the way I did it the other day, um, I got a mom to come over for dinner, but man, it was so tough. I had to like <laughs> twist and twist and twist her arm because it was the mommy guilt kicking in. Like, no, I should be doing this. I should be doing this. I should be doing this. And I was trying to use, uh, remember we used to have um, the president of mops on the show, Kev, Mothers of Preschoolers? Mm-hmm. And uh, Elisa, and she would say, if you don't put the the oxygen max, uh, mask on you first, mom and dad, you're not going to be able to help your children. You've got to do. And I said, listen, this is you filling up your cup, getting a break. And and I finally twisted her arm and she came over and had a little break from the burdens of mm. motherhood. But if we can also just commit to praying for each other's kids, too. I think that's um, something that we all need to do. And one thing my sister did when she was so burdened by the foster children that her daughter was caring for and she was kind of being foster grandma, she just envisioned placing each of those children in the arms of Jesus. And that was the only way she could get any sleep at night. Mm. She would go through that exercise and that prayer every night. So we're talking about moms, how much stress they're under. I've been saying this for a long time uh, with our kids. Uh, We have four kids, 
And one thing is no one is ever, there's never a point in our lives where everyone is doing great. Mm -hmm. It's net, that never happens. If one is, if one is knocking it out of the park, two of the others are, their lives are unraveling. Mm -hmm. And my wife, even more so than me, um, I think maybe this is just one of the differences between moms and dads. Uh, she takes on all the emotion, all the stress, all the drama and internalizes it as much as the kid going through it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's part of part of the DNA because you know they share so much of it being, you know, moms carry them for nine months and so much of it is shared. I'm not sure why, but I do know that she takes things way more emotionally to heart than I do with the kids. Cause I'm like to the point now where they're, they're all young adults and I'm like, okay, we've raised, they know what choices to make or what choices we would tell them to make. And if they make one that's contrary to that, We'll we'll be their support as they try to deal with the emotional fallout of it. But I'm not I'm not going to get as invested as she does in it. And for her, it's as if it's happening to her. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Big time, big time. So with us in in our little world, it's not just the stress and drama that everybody has going through life. But mom takes it on like Tracy takes it on for her, for all four of our kids: Kyle, Autumn, Amber, and April. And me mm-hmm. and everything that goes or goes on it. All of that is on mom's shoulders. A lot of times silently, um, but yeah, it's totally there. So anytime you can let a mom know, hey, I, I see you. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. You you may wind up getting a download <laughs> of everything that's going wrong. But sometimes that's what a mom needs to hear yeah. is that somebody recognizes you're doing a great job. Keep going.